0: Hello, Gargamel. This is Inyash. Man, if I could
1: think of like good uh, <laughs> jargon, like uh, gibberish noises, yeah. but I, I'm really bad at that. So, hey, uh, Inyash, this is Steven. Why would you do gibberish noises for Gargamel? A, I never saw the Smurfs. I just know that's the bad guy's name. Okay. And B, the half this reading was nonsense words. so
0: <laughs> Okay, cool. It
1: would have It would have seemed appropriate, which is also why I chose Gargamel. It's just a nonsense bad guy sounding name and like half the gods in this. Oh, okay. It does sound like a vaguely hell demon sort of name. Totally. Gargoyle, you know, yada yada. Mm Mm-hmm. I bet it's something biblical. Yeah, probably something slightly wholesome. I mean, from what I understand of the Smurfs, they they were nice things, right? The Smurfs were, but their bad guy wasn't. But how bad could the bad
0: Smurf be? No, no, he wasn't a Smurf. He was a human. I mean, how bad could the bad guy in the Smurfs be? It was a kid's show. Wow, dude, you didn't know anything about the Smurfs. He wanted to uh, capture them and eat them. I was going to say, did he eat them? Well, that's that's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, he, he, was, he was pretty bad. Awesome. All right, bud. Well, this isn't the Smurfs podcast. No, it's not. Although maybe we should do that for our next. <laughs> this is It Makes Sense If You Understand Decision Theory. Real quick, though, before we get into that, before we started this project, the one butcher listened to our Truman Show. Episode And he had an amazing take that it should have come to me, especially because I love this sort of, you know, bad guy is actually Mm -hmm. Xanatos galaxy brain things where uh, he says that Kristoff engineered a perfect finale for the Truman show and he intentionally pushed Truman to end it by leaving the show like that. Uh, because it made for excellent TV and also let Truman finally be free. And if Truman hadn't had done that, then eventually the show would have just sort of fizzled out and sank, much like Friends and most shows that have ever gone past their expiration date. (laughs) And he instead made an absolute amazing banger of a finale for his series. I like the idea. So it
1: explained why everything fell apart, like within the same few days. I like it. I think it's fun. I do
0: too, and it ties in nicely with the Thor Love and Thunder episode that we did right after, where the bad guy secretly wants the hero to win.
1: And you in, know, in in my view, and if you're if you really squint at religious history, the same way that the bad guy wanted Adam and Eve to win, the bad guy being God in this case, I can kind of see that. I can kind of dig it. I I, I kind of refuse to believe that God was surprised that they ate the fruit when he knows everything, <laughs> right? I know. So that means he put them there on purpose to set off the whole humanity
0: project. Yeah, so that eventually we could replace him with uh, machines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Have, have you read the Turing test yet? The the recent Scott Alexander uh short story? Uh no, not yet. Oh my god, it's so good. We might be putting together a um radio drama version of it and fuck, I'll put it right here on this feed if we ever do, do it, because it was so good. Who's we? We is me and Wes. Wes was like, Let's do this thing, and I was like, that sounds like work. And Wes says, I will do the work, just give me a voice, and I said, Okay awesome
1: well i just found the link i will read that in a bit there was a good link i sent to you and uh our mutual ai friend matt well friend in in general matt freeman ask gtp4 act like you're morty talking to rick concerned that you might be a chat bot (laughs) awesome did you read that i don't think so i'll have to go check it out i think matt's reply was like it sure is good that we've all collectively decided that these things aren't
0: sentient (laughs) It did a startlingly good job. amazing job. job. Yeah. I will definitely go read that once we're done here. Last thing, I'm going to pin the One Butcher's take, I guess, if anyone wants to read it. It goes into more detail than I went into here. It was pretty great. And it'll be in the spoiler-free channel of our Discord, where we talk about it makes sense if you understand decision theory. Which Which, the name now makes sense, now that I've seen it written out. Which name? Uh, The name of this podcast. It does? It's I I Miss Yud, right? <laughs> yes, that is the thing. I guess we should talk about briefly. So we, we were talking with Miranda, f- floated a few names, and she liked it. it. Makes sense if you understand decision theory quite a bit. So we went for it with that one. But when you abbreviate it, it's it's IMSIYUDT, and I was looking at that, trying to squint at it. I was like, okay, well, if you lowercase both of both of the eyes, you can get Miss Yud, which is kind of appropriate. And I was like, wait, I'm an idiot. The first I, you can just pronounce it, and it turns into I Miss Yud, (laughs) which is perfect because he's half the author of this thing, and we haven't read and analyzed something that he's done in quite a while. We kind of miss Yud, so yeah, there we go. That is why the Spoilers Channel is called this acronym with Future Knowledge Blocked Off. Oh, that's the other thing. The full name of this uh, No Spoilers Channel is uh, I Miss Yud with Future Knowledge Blocked Off because... As we find out in today's reading, this society has the knowledge of their past blocked off. Spoilers is knowledge of the future. So we have knowledge of the future blocked off in that channel. Tight. Steven, how can the people support us? We have a Patreon that will be linked to in the episode description.
1: If you find us on the website, that's also there.
0: We will, as always, be kicking 15% back to uh, Elias Zyrkiewski and Kelsey Piper since they co-wrote this. Because we like this thing where if someone makes content, we give them a cut of subsequent knockoff content because they deserve some of it. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Totes. Oh, also, if you want to see the spoilers channel, because you've already read ahead, uh, you can do that by going to the No Spoilers channel. There is a pinned post that if you react to it with the Galaxy Brain React, you can see the spoilers channel and go in there and read all the spoilers and post in them. Okay, got a few things from the audience before we jump in again. I am sorry to the listeners who want to get right into it. We'll timestamp uh, the episode. We're now so, 10 minutes in. <laughs> it's there in the description <laughs> it is yes look at the description people when we did our previous episode the the very short one where i gave a mad shout out to scryers m for being our person our liaison to the spoilers channel which tells us where to read up to i said it was scryers m that did that turns out it was ask who uh when we who? were recording i d- the person that's on first base wait who's on first though who no wait <laughs> who yes <laughs> i don't know the routine
1: i think the person's name is who
0: no, no, I know who's on first.
1: Maybe we're, maybe we're talking past each other. Sorry.
0: You were supposed to say who, although that's oh, damn kind it. of the whole joke is that people are talking past each other, right? Right. Okay. I tapped back to the Discord to see who had posted that because I couldn't remember it. And SkryersM and Ask Who had both replied to me, one right after the other. So both their posts were highlighted and they were right on top of each other. And I read the wrong name. It is actually Ask Who who is this awesome person. Not to say that SkryersM is not awesome because also great dude, but uh, Ask Who is. The person who is specifically liaising between the two channels and telling us where to read up to next. Cool. But speaking of Scryer's M, when we were talking about like how far to read up to, and we had to cut this down quite a bit because it turned out that it was like 40,000 words. And we were like, oh God, that is way too far. Scryer's M did a analysis of not everything is a clue. We had 72 analysis episodes of that. And across the whole thing that averages out to a little under 23,000 words an episode, which is more than I thought, and also helps to explain why our fucking episodes were so damn long.
1: <laughs> I feel like even if we had cut the readings in half, we could have filled two hours. There was just so much to talk about. You know, I have backup plans if this story doesn't jive with us. Mm-hmm. And, oh, we could do it really slow, or we could just do a chunk at a time. And you just spend two hours talking about whatever chunk you talk, chunk you get through. The, the hard part is just making sure you actually can read the whole time in the allotted time. As long as you can do that, then like the, the talking amount is going to be about the same. Because it's more just about fatigue than it is about length of content.
0: (laughs) That's true. We should try to not fatigue ourselves as much as we have in the past. Agreed. So in that case, moving on. Do you remember Kekulaheim? Of course. Yeah, from Not Everything Has a Clue, he had that awesome spreadsheet thingy. Where he tracked the stats and predictions and all that stuff. Yes, it was the... Oh, that's right. The character sheet is what it was called. Where he... Yeah, he tracked... A whole ton of things. It was super, super in depth and cool. You can go back to any of the old episodes and find the link to it. Well, he is back. Uh, one of the problems we had with Plane Crash is that it's just one giant novel with no breakups. And he is creating a table of contents. Uh, it's on the Glowfic wiki in the fan made table of contents page, which we will link. And we are reading to the end of chapter, I believe. Four from this table of contents what a fucking chad which i learned from you guys is a compliment and not a diss <laughs> it is now things have evolved well what a badass i appreciate it that's awesome yes we'll be linking this table of contents in the show notes and finally do the math has uploaded an ebook version of this first episode's reading with the ending marked Uh, In the ebook, I guess it's kind of too late for listeners because I'm assuming they've already read up to what we're about to talk about, but there is a link in the show notes and also a link to a web app to download any Glowfig you want into EPUB format.
1: Man, that's so cool. Our listeners are tight. Yeah, our our, our listeners are tight and there's just like, there's no end to like what a collective of motivated nerds, and I use the term very lovingly and inclusively, Mm -hmm. can do when they decide they're going to put their mind to something. Exactly. All right, shall we jump into the actual content? Yes. Do we want to do like general takeaways at the end? Probably at the end. I think that's the best place for general takeaways, yeah. Because I'm worried that some of my general takeaways will color my discussion, but let's just find out. If they do color your discussion, you can bring them up while the discussion
0: is being colored? That sounds great and not confusing at all. Okay, this is my first time, basically my first time reading Glowfic, and the face casts on the left, which have are showing people like doing emotional reactions, physical reactions to stuff. I don't know who any of these actors are or the characters that they're portraying. And I'm not sure if that affects things. If I saw like Captain America on the left being a face cast for someone, even though I know that it's not Captain America, it's someone else. It's Keltham that just happens to look like Chris Evans. It would still slightly color my interpretation of a tag. I think if I knew the context, I don't know. Do you think so? Yeah, I think using obscure actors
1: is probably a smart call. I mean, maybe they're not obscure and it's just stuff I haven't seen, but yeah, in any case, yeah, if, if he looked like Cap, I would be attributing attributes to him that would make no sense given his actions.
0: So, um, I guess since we don't recognize these people, there's not much point in talking about them or our emotional reactions. I will mention the only thing is that I think I need to actually look at the pictures.
1: Okay. Because I don't think anyone has an emotion in the entire reading that we do. Huh. Um.
0: No, I mean, no one I raises guess. an
1: eyebrow confusingly in reaction to anything. No one yeah. gives a a grimace or a scowl. I don't think there's a single emotion. Maybe, maybe
0: you'll we'll find it. I think I got a few now and then. Is being cold an emotion? Well, I think Keltham <laughs> did some like jokey playfulness, and then Carissa had this thing where she's like, "Oh shit! There's no way the forces of evil are going to let this guy out of their domain. I have to." I have to somehow find some way to get him to stay. I got to trick him into staying because otherwise my superiors are going to kill me or him. Is wanting to trick people an emotion? Uh, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's this apprehension of doom if I don't get the trickery right. Implication of emotion. Okay, that's close enough. Yes. Implication of emotion is usually the best I can do too. So it, it sounds like I'm shitting on it and maybe, maybe
1: there's a little bit, but I think it's supposed to be conveyed in these pictures. I think I just have a hard time looking at a picture of a you know, person with their mouth partially open. Oh, I guess if I hover over with my cursor, it says puzzled one. That's good. Cause that's how it organized no. them too. If I was doing these, geez, yeah. Kelsey's like doing this, like a champ. Hers are just called screenshot, you know, Carissa 13. So <laughs> like, if she wants to find these, she's just scrolling through thumbnails is kind of doing okay. what I would do and put them on a uh, in a spreadsheet somewhere. So it says, like, head tilt.
0: See, I don't know what... Oh, wait, what this one puzzled- says shock,
1: but there's no words, so... Don't. All
0: right. I, I don't really know what a puzzled facial expression... I mean... Well, it's at the bottom of page one if you want to see what you thinks, that puzzled expression looks like. <laughs> the thing is, I could I, I could get a puzzled facial expression in context, which is why I think it's kind of bad that I don't know the source material. Because like, just looking at the picture, I'm like, okay, it, it, I can see that being puzzled, but I could see that being many other things. Whereas if I knew the scene in particular where that came from, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's totally that dude being puzzled because he was puzzled by something and that happened in the movie.
1: Yeah, 100%. That's my my feeling on it, too. I think it's just we're going to have to roll with it. Oh, well, Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's get into the text part of the things rather than the picture part. It's it's an important part of the medium. The place that Keltham comes from is a place with no histories to call upon of earlier lower trust societies. It's expected by this society that this historical amnesia will end up not being relevant to the vast, vast supermajority of its members. And that just struck me as so crazy weird when I read it because like what? I want to know what Eliezer thinks society, why Eliezer thinks that society would be better off if we did not know about our past. I kind of think learning from the past is a big deal and historically important. It's the reason, maybe, why we have many of the freedoms we have, because we're like, oh yeah, remember back when we suppressed free speech and how that led to terrible things? Let's not do that no matter how much we want to. Um, But I guess it just means that in a Yudkowsky median world, Knowing history is actually net harmful to society, which ne- I really want to know why that is, why Yudkowsky thinks a society of Yudkowsky type of people would be better off not knowing about the past. Do you think, and I, I'm not familiar with any works from uh, Doth Elan,
1: but is it like an intentional thing that they did to scrub their history? Or is it like some weird cataclysm that took away all of their records or something? Like it does not well, it doesn't necessarily have to have been intentional. So like this could be you know, one thing to make the world interesting would be, we lost all of our history, so we don't know how we got to where we are, but we're doing the best we can with what we've got. And we don't know history's mistakes, so we're going to repeat them kind of thing.
0: The line, it is expected by the society that this historical amnesia will end up not being relevant, makes me think that they know, and they think this is a good thing. Yeah, I guess
1: everyone's too uh, quarrel-style rational for them to just In my first reading of that, it was kind of like a Douglas Adams kind of right line where it was like, oh, yeah, no one thought this would be important. And, (laughs) you know, of course, it like super would be. If they all agree that it's not, then maybe
0: it's it's on purpose. I also wonder, like, how far back this amnesia goes, because I assume everyone at least remembers their own history, right? So I could remember up until the, I don't know, late 80s probably is when I start having memories I can call back to. My parents could remember farther back than that, so there's still some history, right? Are are you not allowed to talk about your childhood if you're 80 years old or something? They said it goes back like a century.
1: I think at some point I, did they? I have no idea. I thought it said something about a century at some point. If that was the case, that's that's why I think it was some you know weird magic thing. Because yeah, some everyone you know who was
0: 50 a century ago lost their memories.
1: But who knows? Maybe or maybe the, maybe they yeah. all just collectively agreed not to talk
0: about it. We hopefully we'll get more info on that because that's fascinating. Could be. Although
1: this yeah. we're not in in dothalon so maybe we'll get talk about that or
0: not yes uh so he's strolling down the aircraft still in dothalon at this point and i kind of love this he scrolls strolls a third of the way down assessing everyone he passes and then sits next to the first person that looks like a more promising seat partner than all the previous he passed which is implementing the secretary problem in this is the very first tag right like right off the bat we are getting a classic decision theory theory thing it's just kind of dropped in there with that explanation. I hope he explains it to someone later on. But I thought that was lovely that we start out with this sort of rationality lesson thingies right at the stock. Yeah. Do you want to summarize the secretary problem? You are going to be interviewing a number of secretaries for the position of secretary. After every interview, you have to decide yes or no to hire this person. And if you decide yes, then you don't get to interview any other people. And if you decide no, you can't recall them later. And the question is: how do you decide when to stop and say to somebody yes i'm going to hire you and dismiss all the other applicants without seeing them and also like at what point you'd be like well this person is is better than anyone else. So I'm going to take them. But if it's like the second person you've seen, maybe that doesn't mean shit. You know, if it's the fourth person, like if there's still a thousand people to interview, then there could be someone better than this person for secretary. And ultimately the decision theoretical correct answer is to go through one third of your sample size without making a decision, but noting how good the best applicant is. And then as soon as you find someone better than that, out of the remaining two thirds, you hire them. I appreciate that you said one third. That's actually a lot easier because I I looked at the Wikipedia page and it's all this Greek
1: at the bottom. It's one over lowercase e roughly equals 0.368, which you're right is one third. I mean, approximately. Yeah, I thought this was kind of fun because to me, you know, I'd like, well, you need at least two. I don't want to to belabor on this too much, except for the fact that this isn't... How one usually walks past people and-
0: It is a strange way to choose a seatmate on a plane, yes, but it does show his dedication to doing things according to the algorithm that has been proven to be most effective. Or just like how ingrained it is habitually, which, yeah, I mean, well, I guess it's similar to have it both. being high value, right? But yeah. uh, it, it this might just be reflexive. Okay, so he sits down next to a lady who turns out reads lots of books because she is a fich- fiction matchmaker. I'm not sure if this is even worth keeping in the episode, but I feel like I'm a bit of a fiction matchmaker myself, although in a far less rigorous way. That stays in because you are. I, I mean, all I do is review some books and I tell people if you are like me, then you will like or dislike this book. So um, they have to do some of the work in deciding on how much like me they are. I just like that that's a job that's pretty cool right <laughs> i think we could use a lot more actual matchmakers in the real world for all sorts of things right anyways he says that he calls himself mad investor chaos which i now the title makes a lot more sense because before that was just three random words strung together in a title to quote uh tobias Fuque, you sir are a mouthful
1: um, <laughs> that's not a nickname that rolls off the tongue it is not no i don't call somebody mad investor chaos i might call them a chaotic investor
0: in general i don't call people chaos if they think that's their name if they're like hi my name is chaos i'm like okay chaos i'll call him hi Mick. mad investor chaos right. yeah what was the name that butters came up with for his evil professor chaos that's what i was thinking professor of chaos, yeah. there we go yeah Well, uh, he doesn't have a tinfoil hat yet so that's true he talks to her for a little bit and then stops talking to her because he sees no profits to be reaped from further conversation here. Which, I mean, I guess it tells us a lot about him because I immediately felt slightly turned off by, by that. Yeah, your comment
1: was, tells us a lot about his values. And I said, values, plural? <laughs> He dies after getting you know, his head cut off, waking up in some strange land. He's like, how much are souls worth? Can I make money? And what's the exchange rate on these? And I mean, I would wonder where I could get food before I guess I wondered how I could pay for
0: it. Just so like a head agree. in the rough direction of food. This could tell us a lot about his society as well, where his default assumption is, I will not starve. Things will be okay. How can I best contribute to the flourishing of myself and my society? 100%. I I thought about that, but then I was thinking, like, they, they
1: must have told them in school about, like, you know, well, I guess maybe they don't remember when times when people didn't have enough food, but, like, has no one ever gotten lost and come back and be like, man, I went, like, two days without eating? That sucked.
0: He was not outside of civilization for very long. Within 20 minutes of walking, he was back in with people again.
1: Yeah, I suppose this might just be a thing when people get, uh, what's that Japanese word where you get thrown into another world? Oh, is Sekiad? Yeah. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Whenever people get that, maybe like they don't spend a lot of time wondering about like what the
0: hell is happening.
1: Yeah, that was something just... that confused me with June too, mm. and it came to make a lot of sense over
0: time. If every single story started out like that, people would be like, "Oh, okay, I got to skip to chapter four after he's figured out how to get food to actually get to the cool part of the plot." Well, just more like not being, you know, the least bit worried or upset. I mean, in June's case, he got thrown out in an airplane, so right away he's fighting for his survival. Kelvin just seems like the sort of person he'd be like, okay, this is my new situation. I I have a comment about this later. This is my new situation. Uh, I guess I'm going to roll with it and try to make the best I can out of it. Yeah, more power to him. But yeah, I was, I don't know. When he first said that, I was like, he's he's really doing a lot of judging on very limited information here, I guess. Like, I tried to see it from his point of view, but... (sighs) You can't decide that from a few quick conversations like this person could have an extremely rich life history person might be the second cousin of someone really rich or powerful or something. You won't find that out unless you keep talking to them. Just I guess that all comes from just an instinctive curiosity about other humans and oftentimes that leads to great things because it turns out other humans are really complex and have a big web of people usually and it's just interesting to find that stuff out. If you're not interested in other people, I guess you won't ever get to that and you lose, in his words, a lot of potential for profit. In my words, more like a lot of potential for fun, cool, neat interactions. Either way, I think he's missing out by being like, oh, well, she has nothing of immediate value for me, so I should move on. Maybe I'm over-optimistic as to how much value other peoples have and he is more more correct than thinking that most people don't have that much to offer.
1: I'm going to disagree with him and agree with you. And I'm going to okay. actually
0: agree with you stronger
1: than you're agreeing with you. Like no. you, you you implicitly could reduce half of what you said to like, there's still profit to be found if you just keep looking. If you're still looking for profit, you can still do that. But also it's like having friends is nice. Engaging in conversation is nice. Uh, yeah. It's a fun way to pass the time. Man, maybe you'll make a friend. Uh, but <laughs> that doesn't seem to be on a, high on his list of values. Friends are people, not. I guess, you can milk for profit, not people that you uh, kill time with. So,
0: I mean, you could mutually exchange for profit with friends, right?
1: Yeah, totally. He's, he's interesting.
0: Yes. Yeah. He's, he's a character. But then he decides, he, he wonders, like, should I go up, up, move, talk to someone else? And then he decides it's not worth moving seats to go looking again. And I thought that line was very interesting as well, because the only cost to moving seats is a bit of social embarrassment. So either he finds that embarrassment of moving very costly, but is pretending not to, or he expects the median human on this plane to be worth about as much profit as she is, which again, in his mind is zero. So I uh, I don't know if if he is actually more susceptible to social pressure than he's putting on or if he really thinks that most people are not worth very much. I'm trying my best not to be the –
1: not to use the term pejoratively, the Brian in this uh, podcast. But uh, <laughs> okay. I, I don't think that – I don't think he's a baseline Yudkowski. I think he might be something of an outlier in a world full of baseline Yudkowskis.
0: Oh, I think he's definitely an outlier. I, I pulled a note about that later.
1: Oh, good. Well, so I wonder if he's just absurdly committed to his secretary problem approach. It's like, well, I already committed. Like, I already hired her. and That could be. So it could be that. But I was going to say, like, if I'm sitting next to somebody at a party and like, all right, I'm going to go talk to somebody else. I just get up and leave. And everyone yeah. else sees me do that. I look yeah. like an asshole. But if I live in a world where, like, people are just, hey, look, we're just maximizing the amount of fun we're having. No one's feelings are getting hurt. Crocker's rule is baked into our brains. Then, like, that actually wouldn't be offensive, right? yeah maybe I, I don't know enough about his society yet to know yeah i guess i wonder how far out how many standard deviations he is away from the norm i wonder if it does cause social points or if he's just lazy or committed to his uh his secretary problem approach but if that's the case then he might have some rationality holes he doesn't seem like he's having he doesn't seem like he's suffering from a lack of rationality so i think all of eliezer's characters are
0: flawed in some way oh he's flawed enough he's flawed out the wazoo but i don't know if it's because he's bad at decision theory uh, he's probably bad at something in, in relation to decision theory, just like Harry Potter was bad at various aspects of rationality to highlight, you know, what you should not do. Yeah, could be cool. After several notes, I realized that I just finished the first tag and I have to take a lot less notes because we got f- four and a half more pages of these. That was like me and worth the candle. At some point, you got to <laughs> start contra- constraining yourself and then trimming what you'll like take notes on to what makes it into the show notes exactly yeah. so i started doing that right after this i was like okay that, that was too many yeah. but it was also the very first tag introducing us to a new character in a new world so
1: mm. we're testing the waters to the new story and uh the new podcast so exactly i gotta call out one piece of chicanery mm. when so they crash he lands in wherever the sun moves across the sky but not down in it mm-hmm. and what the hell could that possibly mean i if the sun moves i guess it could be moving up it could be moving but that up. seems like a weird way to phrase it yeah. So this is just more nonsense sun business. <laughs> and is this also a requirement for being a Japanese word thrown into another world? Yeah, the, sun the sun makes no fucking sense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It might be because it's a weird fantasy world that's actually flat. I don't know. But if it moves I, and doesn't go down, does it spin? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could move from one part of the sky to another part of the sky, right? But then it's moving down a little bit. Like, at, I mean... You know, I, I understand what you're saying. I, that was, that was the one thing I thought that maybe like, cause in the middle of the day, if the sun moves from like 11 o'clock to two o'clock, it doesn't really look like it goes up or down It just kind of look like it goes across the sky. So maybe it's that. Right. But then I would just say the sun is, you know, pre- approaching noon or something.
1: It just struck me as, as uh, solar chicanery and I won't be party yeah. to it.
0: So, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think it was just a neat observation. I think it might have just been a neat observation about what the sun looks like from standpoint of someone standing on the ground if you don't know like how it travels exactly. But it could be crazy fantasy chicanery as well. I do not know. Well, we'll find out. Maybe. Speaking of crazy fa- fantasy chicanery, there's a big force field type thing a few miles away. The line says, farther miles away, there's a big soap bubble force field kind of thing. And I just want to say I love that description because it tells me exactly what I'm looking at in just a few words. It doesn't fuck around trying to re-describe a soap bubble force field kind of thing from first principles like a lot of people do. Any zombie story doesn't use the Z word because in the story itself, zombie fiction doesn't exist, right? So they, they have to come up with their own word about what these shambling undead monstrosities are. And I just am annoyed by that. Dude, we all know this thing you're trying to describe. Just use the words and this casual friendly author voice of they're just talking to me like you and i would be talking to me i really love it a lot quite a bit more than the traditional formal author voice that you read in a lot of fiction and i want to read more things like this so this this has ingratiated me to the fanfic a bit a glistening
1: barrier uh, appeared in the distance it reflected and refracted sunlight in a way that distorted you know the color behind it yeah i mean so calling it just a soap bubble it also it it sounds like a, a D game master or dungeon master describing a thing, yeah, right totally they're not going to describe a soap bubble they're going to be like yeah it's a big fucking wall you know <laughs> right. well yeah. what, you know what color it doesn't matter it's too big to climb and it's too thick to burrow through like i don't i don't need to describe it to you more than that <laughs> it is wall colored the point is you're not going exactly point is you're not going this way i loved it yeah so he he runs his way into town and i'm assuming just kicks his way into a a pub or something and the door swings open startled oh there's an emotion Mm. startled startled? people turn to look at him all right well Mm. there's we had it a feeling um (laughs) is startled an emotion i don't know
0: it's i don't think mm, so you know i mean it could be it's it's a reaction it's a reaction emotions are reactions yeah all right. Well, they
1: something incomprehensible. One of them says, and mm-hmm. I, I did a double take on that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, because it wasn't gibberish. It, I thought one of them <laughs> said something incomprehensible, something, and so, someone yeah. did, but they didn't say it in quotes, right? <laughs>
0: yes. And you go back and you read it again. You're like, oh, I get it. That was clever. That helps. Yeah. Yeah. The same same fun author voice thing. I enjoy it a lot. Totes. And then Keltham tries to say that he is Keltham tapping himself. And then he says, Dath Alan," And he makes the gesture for thing A coming from thing B. That's paused me for a second because like for their society to have a common gesture like that means that they have to say that kind of thing a lot. Right? Like a common gesture. I, I was thinking, would we get a lot of use out of that in our world if we had a gesture like that? I thought, no, I guess not. And, and obviously empirically, have that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can see that we did, wouldn't. and But I guess in a world full of Eliezer-type people, uh, maybe dis- discussions would use this all the time because people would be talking about more crazy, highbrow, thinky things that need those sorts of f- hand gestures.
1: Yeah, it's not clear to me how much time you're saving by being able to make a gesture for it. But, you know, the gesture for check please is almost as much as time consuming as it does, as it is just to say, check, please, you know? Yeah. But you can do it from across the room. Yeah. So, I mean, look at what they're gesturing at people across the room. Like I came
0: from place a to place B. Well, no, I mean, in in casual conversation, I'm assuming it just sort of happens. Like we wave our hands around when we're trying to be Italian, you know, or like, you know,
1: you're pointing or, you know, you're saying, you know, I'm my, my patience is here. You know, you've got the gesture Mm or whatever. mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm, they, they, they apparently, uh, you know, have the, they they talk about things coming from things all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, speaking of that, when he says, what's the correlation between the strange gesture you just did and your ability to communicate with me when you could not do so previously, uh, it, there's a little asterisk that says, uh, the sentence takes less than half as many syllables to say in baseline. And that is really cool because it means that, again, they must have a lot of more high concept conversations to the point where they have words for these things that uh, that are much shorter and quicker to say and i think that validates my my guess that i made just a second ago about the gesture that that they just have have different things they talk about yeah you're right and you know it occurs to me that the the common way that i think you'd
1: use this all the time in conversation is like wait how does this follow from that how would you get from there to there Oh yeah, yeah. How did you get from legalizing gay marriage to people marry their dogs? Right. So, like that—that that sort of gesture. Uh, uh, I guess. I guess that sort of conversation happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Sh- show your work. That's
0: basically yes. what, That's that's what this is. That's that's what that gesture means. And I this really struck out to me later when she said that we have uh, – that clerics go to war all the time and Keltham society doesn't have a word for war. He had to use um, destructive conflict, right? To use a whole lot of syllables for something that we have a single syllable word for because in their society, I guess there just isn't destructive conflict very much. So there's no point to talk about it. And in ours, we have war so much that it's you know one of the simplest words you can say.
1: That's – uh. I hope that's not the only reason
0: that it's a short word, but uh, in English anyway, but you're you're probably on to something. I mean, generally, the shorter the words are, the earlier they were created in, in linguistic history, because the more often the concept needed to be referred to. Oh, I know. It's just depressing to think that might be the case for the word war. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> war never changes. <laughs> One of the first things humans ever did. I suppose you're right. Well, this is an interesting um, uh,
1: story. Not I don't know what you call this narrative thing. Mm hmm. Quote, she casts tongues. Say that again, she says, in baseline. Yeah. And we get to see that she casts a spell, mm-hmm. and you get the name of it, but, like, from our audience view, but the protagonist doesn't get
0: that. <laughs> yes isn't that cool is that we have the two interweaved narratives like one from her pov when kelsey writes and one from uh his when eliezer writes and so we have two different i guess we have to keep track of two theories of mind, sort of going back and forth using for the narrator does that make sense yeah and you're right it that
1: is from her point of view Mm -hmm. and so she she knows what she did Mm -hmm. okay well that's cool I,
0: i was i was for a little bit I was like why is Keltham keep saying um the term places people go when they die instead of afterlife and then it quickly dawned on me that his society doesn't have a place for that and whenever we see the word afterlife it is written from the point of view of um of Carissa and when we see the word places people go when they die it is written from the point of view of Keltham and he later on adopts the word afterlife because it you know starts being easier and shorter to say i guess the more it happens in conversation so he adopts their word that's a great observation and i think i just need to do a better job of picking
1: up whose uh pov we're in when, when uh i guess what i yeah okay i guess i kind of i'm still getting the my my sea legs for glowfic mm-hmm. and th- that's a really cool realization though and it, and it does tell us about the characters in our world and i just i guess i need to look at who's talking more when he. <laughs>
0: Oh, speaking of emotions and people having them, as Keltham realizes that he's died, but he's still alive, Keltham says, yeah, I was wondering if there'd been a mistake or a systemic hiccup. I love how chill he's being about this, and I think it's a... It's a cool emotional beat that he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. I I I guess I'm dead, but I'm gonna roll with it. And something has obviously gone wrong with the Matrix. To me, that felt like using humor and coolness to deal with a crazy situation sort of emotion.
1: I don't know. Being is being dude an emotion? Totally. I think chill or unflappable, you know, that's that's almost like an antithetical to emotion. Hmm. But but maybe I'm maybe I'm just trying to hammer on the point of like these people are unfeeling
0: weird robots. I think being that's that level of chill is it is a cope and it is humorous he does say I feel like first this possible systemic hiccup should be checked for profit potential which again that's a punchline right the fiction is really hammering us with his personality like yep I am a Ferengi I am driven by profit Let, let's get this really clear about everybody and I think that is a thing that often needs to be done with fiction to hammer more on people's core personality points so that we can enjoy them and get to know Who they are before we go deep into the intricacies of what makes them tick. You said, I'm a what? I'm looking for profit. Ferengi? What's that? Oh, this is why you didn't understand my rules of acquisition note. Awesome. (laughs) The Ferengi are an alien race from Star Trek. First showed up in Next generation Became a much bigger deal in Deep Space Nine where a Ferengi was a major character in the show. But the Ferengi are hyper capitalists some people sometimes call them space jews i'm not sure that is an, an accurate thing to call them but they're like Keltham. they're an entire society of Kelthams. everything is in the pursuit of profit and must be motivated by profit and the religion is based around profit do you
1: remember like after the second time futurama got canceled they had those episodes with like those gross pink aliens and i'm
0: pretty sure i stopped watching by that point
1: you know they they stayed pretty good but it was they were just the their, their episodes are poorly structured because they were, like, originally movies that then chopped into episodes. point is there, uh. were, these, there were these gross aliens, and uh, they, they could, like, smell things that were worth money, and that was their whole thing, too.
0: Um, okay. So, yeah, okay, I'm going to just picture those gross aliens. My rules of acquisition note was when he says, You guys have proverbs about violations of previously held generalizations being interesting and profitable in proportion to the degree of previous belief in the generalization that was violated. Ugh, again a mouthful obviously no other society in existence has any sort of these pro uh, proverbs except for a Ferengi society so I was like "Ah, oh, yes he must be referring to the rules of acquisition which obviously he wouldn't know about but uh now you do I do so
1: in in human speech basically it's saying like hey so surprising things you can turn in, you can turn into a prophet yes okay in proportion to how surprising they are yeah like Oh, man, I didn't expect there to be a diamond mined here. That's super surprising, and it's worth a lot of money. Totally. Okay.
0: And the rules of acquisition were kind of like their their holy book um, for the Ferengi. Gotcha. They, they were how they ran their society, and it was it was basically a lot of proverbs about the correct way to make profit. Yeah, the Futurama aliens had these gross organs that would
1: become engorged when they uh, could detect mm. something worth money. So Awesome. Yeah.
0: Cool. They basically like they money, met- money
1: boners, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then at the bottom of page one, I ran into my very first blank tag where he was very confused and it was hilarious. I actually laughed. I think it was puzzled or shocked.
1: But okay. yeah, from the picture, he just, all of his expressions kind of look exactly the same to me, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, me too. So, oh, good. It's not just me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, that's that then. That's uh, that's page one. Cool. On uh, page two, we find out that the alon civilization is capitalized, the word civilization, like a proper noun. And so now I'm curious if that is a reference to their society at large or their government in specific. And if so, do they have a single world government that they call civilization? seems kind of neat. And it seems to
1: suggest there is some whatever non-civilization, right? Oh, which I I guess it does. I I, I guess I'm just saying like the the hunger can't be like a uh, like an unsatiated unsatiated hunger can't be a completely alien concept if there's places where there aren't civilization but maybe maybe actually that's not the case maybe the entire planet is like coruscant and the you know it is a civilization capital
0: c maybe but lower c on coruscant because they don't capitalize doth so yeah i found that interesting too and i hope we find out why because that's weird that they're i don't know home planet or i I don't even know what it is doth sounds like the proper noun into my ears but it is not capitalized. Important things get capitalized. The the name of the rock they're standing on is, isn't important because you can't turn it into a profit. So yeah, I I mean all profit comes from that rock ultimately after being mixed with human value or human labor, right? <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I but know. once
1: it once the the, <laughs> the 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 synergy of the mixture between the rock and and human labor uh that gets capitalized. Okay, yeah. Although he doesn't capitalize things like steel, so um
0: it's mm, a good point. Yeah. All right. We'll find out. I hope. Yeah. All right. So he also said, "I'm not averse to the part when he's talking about um, um altruism. I'm not averse to the part where I spend whatever I can't manage to spend on my own personal happiness on producing public goods. It is said for one thing, this tends to impress members of the opposite sex, and also contributes to, per- and so also contributes to personal happiness in the end. I really love that. I, I love that he draws a direct." Line between things that tend to impress members of opposite sex and therefore contribute to personal happiness, even though like it, it isn't, it's not the impression of the opposite sex that causes direct happiness. It's the thing that that in the ancestral environment I assume tended to impress the opposite sex that causes happiness, which is just it's great. I, I love that little thing right there, and he's he's a total Chad that he's able to just call that out and accept it.
1: Yeah, some of the things like you know, I guess because everyone's in the same civilization on his planet, but, like, Mm. this isn't the part you say out loud.
0: (laughs) Except it is if you're Eliezer Yudkowsky, because he says every part out loud.
1: Well, he doesn't, because he knows how humans actually talk to each other. Uh, Right. But in a world where, like, you don't waste time not to, you know, or in a world where you don't waste time beating around the bush or pretending Mm -hmm. like you can't see the elephant in the brain, um, Mm -hmm. then you you just i guess say the thing right yeah yeah but he doesn't you know compliment her tits or anything so i could only i could only assume from that that her tits aren't worth complimenting or he's not her, <laughs> because it seems like he just says whatever or or he didn't see any profit that could come from saying that but
0: he also notably doesn't say that part out loud oh well he says other weird stuff out loud i pulled it out later so okay cool i think maybe he just knows that you don't compliment people's tits that that is not the way to get them to be impressed with you why not i mean again if you're taking a, if you're
1: taking a civilization from first principles like you compliment someone's hair you compliment their eye color mm-hmm. uh it's it's kind of just our it might just be our weird um puritanical uh whatever culture that we're still you know still kind of swimming around in our uh in the deep part of our
0: our society. That yeah. keeps that sort of
1: compliment from being, you know, acceptable.
0: I I don't know. I would assume empirically it tends not to work on Dathalon, but I could be wrong. Maybe he's just so distracted by being dumped into a new world after dying that he hasn't had time to compliment her on her appearances yet. Could be. Could be. Okay. Uh, again, speaking about words and the Dathalani society, I'm I'm going to be doing that a lot this episode, I guess. Uh, Keltham isn't sure how to parse ruler of the first level of hell – but he can ask later what a ruler is. <laughs> and that kind of drew me up short because it implies that there's no people with vast executive power on Dathalon. And I don't know if I can actually believe that or if I have to think that the translation spell bugged out or something. Although I can't do that because this is not... It, it has to be that. But like a CEO is basically a ruler, right? Well... Kind of.
1: Uh, so I think I, I'm going to you know, I'm glad that you picked up more of the text than I did. Hmm. Someone can gesture vaguely at reading comprehension, but I'm going to fall back on that. I think this is actually kind of hard to read. Um, But, or at least for me, but uh, I, running with that, I think it's entirely plausible that their society doesn't have that, like, it's going to have councils of of experts. Hmm. And they will make, you know, group judgments. Um, And it's like, they're they're not ruling about it, right? You know, their version of like, the, the the FDA will be like the the part of the society that makes and tests medicines, but they're not like saying people have to take them. They'll say, look, this is how good it is for you and these are the risks and everyone will decide, aha, well, it's worth you know 0. 0.8 utils if I take it,
0: so I'm going to take it, right? Yeah, but sometimes when you're organizing large numbers of people, it's good to have like a president as a unitary executive to guide them. I mean, if everybody... Is reasonable. You don't need someone
1: to be like, you know what, shut up and listen. We're doing huh. what I say. That's a good point. So
0: I, I think that's probably how things work there. So he's gonna be really disappointed here. Huh. You know, that yeah, my very next point, uh my very next note here that I pulled out is uh his dotalan apparently has about a billion people, which is roughly eighty-five percent less people than we have on Earth. And I I, I I had kind of assumed, perhaps wrongly, that Dothalon was basically an alternate Earth around the same time period and same tech level and all that. But if it has 85% less people, like, what happened to those 7 billion people that caused us to diverge so wildly? Like, maybe my first thought was maybe the median Eliezer just reproduces a lot less because, I don't know, less interested in having kids than the median Normie. But also, this could explain why they don't have rulers because when you have that fewer people maybe you don't need large organizations to coordinate massive nations especially because they don't have war so why would you have nation states if you don't have war that's a good point okay and and a lot more is making sense yeah that
1: that part makes sense the first part you you know a billion is still a big number that it would help to have a dictator ruling right um you know a million is still a lot of people that would help to have a ruler uh that, that yeah. number
0: breaks down probably around a hundred <laughs> like um but I, I guess it depends if you're trying to do things together though because if you don't have a ward that really knocks out a lot of the doing things together impetus yeah and as far
1: as the population level it could be that you know this is a smaller planet um it could be uh but if it is just like an alternate earth where you know everything else being equal it's uh Yudkowsky is all the way down instead of uh Whatever, regular people. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then, what would Jucovsky's? You know, well, I, I, don't, I don't. It sounds vaguely pejorative or, or mocking to put it that way. But, but what would the what would the baseline Dothilian do when it comes to reproduction? They have kids when they mean to. Yeah. Whereas the supermajority of humans throughout the history
0: of our planet have been happy accidents. Um, and and as we have seen, when people have the amount of kids they want to have, population tends to plummet. Yeah, or at least stagnate. Mm. And uh, they also have uh, reliable birth control.
1: Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think between that and the fact that like people aren't having three kids on accident, then yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna have fewer people. You're not gonna have these families with like thirteen kids because you know they're Catholic and they don't believe in condoms. I, I think that fully explains the eighty five percent population drop. Or it could be part of the cataclysm that destroyed their history. Who knows? Maybe they had 7 billion people a century ago, and then most of them died and took all the history with
0: them. Maybe, in this case, cultures that strongly emphasize reproducing would outcompete those that don't and take over the world. But I'm like, oh, no, that doesn't work, because the whole point of the conceit is that the cultures is based around what is ideal for a Yudkowskian person. Yes. We'll Hmm. find some way to saying that with fewer syllables, given the... uh, Yeah, the economy of language. Okay, let's move forward then. We find a little bit about gods. Gods rule this uh, world and they are smarter than humans. And Keltham says, if they're smarter than humans, shouldn't, uh, that Carissa said that gods are um, extremely hard to understand uh, from a human perspective. Keltham says, if they're smarter than humans, shouldn't they be more understandable from a theoretical standpoint in the sense that they depart less from the coherence theorems governing, et cetera, et cetera. To me, that's a very bold claim. That makes the assumption that the gods aren't intentionally obfuscating their actions to human observers. Yes? It might be the case that nobody does that on his
1: planet. Like the idea that people would be like, what do you mean you're deliberately misleading me? The only reason someone would do that is for potential profit. But like if it was discovered, then that would hurt their profit potential later. You're better off just not defecting in any prisoner's dilemmas, which means not lying to people. Mm -hmm. I have a different explanation for why I think the gods aren't understandable to people. OK, it's so he's like, well, if they're smarter, wouldn't they be more understandable from a theoretical standpoint? And it's mm-hmm. like, that's only true if they're scrutable super intelligences. It's only the case if you can understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Like they could take the time to explain it to you. So if I'm playing um, whatever the best chess playing robot is or really any of the shitty chess playing robots, because I'm not that good at chess. It'll make a move. And I don't know why it's doing it. I know it's going to yeah. win. The, the, the gods aren't they aren't making an effort to be understandable. Maybe yeah. they're not aligned in the way that nice rational agents might be.
0: They certainly don't seem yeah. to be. Although they do Maybe seem to be have... capable of forming compacts with each other. So I, I, d- I guess I don't know enough about coherence theorems to say, theoretically, if they have a particular goal and they're very smart, then they should do things to maximize that goal. And that should make them more predictable. Assuming you can understand their goal. Um, and assuming you understand the world well enough to make predictions about it correctly right I and think- assuming that they take the time to explain that stuff to you and if they just don't care because you're ants then it is what it is yeah one of the things about the chess example is that i'm assuming if i knew enough about chess to understand how it was getting close to its goal then it would make sense i
1: get spend all the time in the world trying to explain chess to a chimp but i'll never get it to play me right and if i care about
0: playing chess then i'm just not gonna waste my time trying to explain it to chimps if the chimp knows you're trying to win the chess game, it's going to assume you're never going to flip the table over. So you, you're more predictable in that way than a chimp would be because the chimp might knock the chess board over. The chimp doesn't understand like that I'm playing chess and that I want to win, right? It's just like, why does it keep showing me these pieces of wood? Yeah, and the chimp could be like, why isn't this human knocking this table over and using it to play fun games? Like, <laughs> run around the table and jump on it. Right. Right. So the gods apparently, according to Carissa, created aging because they didn't want humans to stick around here forever and never go to the afterlives. And that struck me as like, oh, shit, all the afterlives here must really suck if people would choose to never go to one. Yeah. they had to be force killed via aging.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty dick move. And part of me wonders, you know, it seems like they have a pretty, at this point I was reading it, like I was wondering, like, is this just some bullshit rationalization they made up? You know, because we don't know. We didn't yeah. know at this point that they had a pretty tight relationship with their gods. Um, mm-hmm. But it's the kind of bullshit you could imagine someone making up about why people on Earth age. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, now apparently, it's I'm, I'm going to now at this point just take it as a given that like, yeah, you guys weren't killing yourselves. So we decided just to kill you for you.
0: And we figured, <laughs> you know, 80 years-ish was enough. It, it does seem like the sort of thing which might be a post-hoc rationalization but it could go either way because yeah we're in a crazy fantasy world well and like they they go on to talk about just how how much they talk with their gods and how much they know about them right
1: so yeah uh unless it's all just smoke and mirrors then Mm -hmm. the
0: these things seem to be pretty active in the real world i'm gonna chalk this up to like the solar phenomenon where i i also do not know enough about the world yet to say if this is literal or (laughs) or metaphorical Also, apparently, uh, good and evil are defined here, and they're in the traditional D&D sense. Good is self-sacrificing. Evil is pursuit of the interests of the self. And I read that, and I was like, I think this world is fucked, if those are the definitions of good and evil, because maybe I shouldn't be bringing my own baggage into this. But in general, I still think of good as things which society tries to encourage, and evil as things that society tries to discourage. And if those are the definitions of good and evil, then I kind of feel their society might be fucked.
1: Yeah. Some of those might be language barrier stuff. The narcissist who's, you know, only interested in pursuing their own self-interest to the exclusion of all else and a narrow self-interest. Maybe that's the implicit word there. It could be that this world runs on fucked up rules where if like you want to be happy, that counts as self-interest and you're evil. But if your happiness is tied up in the happiness of those around you, then you want to make their lives better. Right? Yeah. Is that still self-interest? I think there m- might be some language barrier stuff happening or some really hard and fast rules about where you fall on the, it's
0: not a spectrum, the grid of uh, alignments. And maybe I'm wrong about good being something that society tries to promote and evil something it tries to dispromote. Like maybe these are just terms for values that gods have rather than actual attempts to direct people. Oh, you mean on whatever their planet is called
1: yeah i thought you meant on earth and i was like well on earth then we just we need to use different words then because if we can't agree that good is something that we all want and evil is something we all don't want then we just need to say other words
0: yeah but their society seems to have slightly different physics not morality physics um, maybe okay. it, well it, it has it has different laws it
1: has different natural laws it seems like or it could just be up to the whims of whatever gods. I've, I'm not really sure yet. Well, again, the word stuff is fun. And I, you know, this might be a, a thing that is hammered for a while just because it's the majority. Well, I mean, all they did is talk at each other for this whole reading. So, like, we could dig into what they said and the specific, sp- specific words they used. So, mm-hmm. among those, antisocial.
0: Yeah. Apparently, Baseline, which it, I guess is the common tongue in Dathalon, uh, doesn't have a word for antisocial. <laughs> says no more than it has a word for non-apples. Because uh, there's lots of specific things people could be doing that are antisocial, and it hasn't been deemed wise to add a word that means what you're doing is bad for society, but I won't tell you why. This seems like a really interesting take to me, and I don't know how I feel about it. Do you have opinions on this? I like it a lot more than just saying that's problematic. Yeah,
1: you know, because that that's something that you say when you know you just don't like somebody or what they're doing, but you don't actually have a reason yeah yeah i mean so or, or if you do you just say what the reason is mm-hmm. you know like you know, the thing is I, I feel like the internet the, the very like tenuous exposures i get to the internet have ruined my uh enjoyment of the words like problematic or uh not a good look yes um uh, because not a good look is actually kind of fun you know mm-hmm. uh whatever being caught with your pants down in some ridiculous situation right mm-hmm. uh, but now it's like you just say that if somebody used a tweet Or used a word in a tweet, and you know, used the word gay in a tweet in 2012 or something, right? Right. Um, And so it's, oh, that's not a good look. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, all right, well, now you're taking away the... the, I I actually liked that phrase. (laughs) Yeah. And now I can't use it. Because now it means that I'm calling somebody a bigot, but I'm not being specific about it.
0: Yeah. I guess we have a lot more words like that. And Dathalon has zero. I still think, like, sometimes it is hard to tell someone specifically why they're doing... Something that's bad for society and you just want them to stop, a word that they probably definitely have on at least in the
1: in the textbooks or maybe not in common parlance on Dothalon, is defecting
0: because yeah. they need to have uh, hypothetical defectors for decision theorists for, for decision theory books, but then that tells you exactly what you're doing wrong. You are defecting in a prisoner's dilemma type situation.
1: It doesn't have to be a dis- prisoner's dilemma that you're defecting in you know you could unless you're, you know we can say that any Malthusian trap is a prisoner's dilemma, and I guess kind of. No, actually, mm-hmm. it's not. They're distinct. I meant, yeah, Malachian problem. Okay. Defecting in that isn't necessar- isn't like defecting in a prisoner's dilemma. It, I mean, it kind of is. Well, except for you except come out on top and everyone else comes out worse, but it's not like... But uh, then, actually, you come out worse, too. Yeah, you come out a little worse, but only marginally worse.
0: Okay, right. Maybe well, it is a
1: scaled-up prisoner's dilemma.
0: Yeah. It's prisoner's dilemmas all the way down. I think I'm being more won over to this, the word antisocial sucks. It seems like it's just a way to hide that you want to call someone an asshole. And maybe you should just say, you know, I think you're being an asshole, and then they can ask you why, as opposed to just I think you're being antisocial, and then you can't interrogate that. I hope the internet doesn't take away the word antisocial next, because that's actually a good one. You know, we have
1: this 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 common project across humans that we call society, mm. and you're not helping, right? <laughs> that, that's that's, that's yeah, what antisocial then- means. <laughs>
0: But but it also sucks to be like, oh, okay, I have gotten a, a whap on the nose. I've gotten some negative feedback. I should change what I'm doing. But it's very unspecified. So, like, maybe I was wearing a blue shirt. And if I'm really stupid, I think, oh, shit, wearing a blue shirt is what's antisocial. I go change my shirt. But I come back to pooping in the street right after or whatever it is. You know, whenever George Costanza would scream, we're living in a society. It's usually yeah. about something.
1: You know, someone wouldn't tell him the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, so the behavior that he's pl- complaining about is usually pretty clear from context. I think the society just likes to be clear on things a lot more than ours does. Well, I think our planet, or our, at least our current society, is very good at telling you exactly what you did wrong. They won't mind telling you at length as a group what it was. Right? It's not optimal. I'm not advocating yeah. for it. I just think I I think I might understand it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, you can use it as a category for kinds of behaviors, and as long as you oh, yeah. as long as you specify, you know, what the person's doing. Just like you know, when you tell a kid that's mean, and then you explain what the mean thing they did was.
0: What if you didn't explain what the mean thing was, though? Then that would be bad. Yeah, then they're confused. I guess their society just kind of like is allergic to just being told you're mean without an explanation to the point where they made the word mean illegal, or just didn't make nope. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you have to. You if you want to tell someone you're mean, they're mean. You can't. You have to tell them the thing they actually did. Yeah, I think I, I think we understand. It makes it much harder to just give somebody a vibes feedback thing, though. Like, I feel ickier now based on what just happened. Sometimes you don't know exactly why you feel ickier. And you just say, ah, that's mean. And then maybe the two of you can suss out together why that's mean. And if you had to think up first the reason why you feel ickier and put it into direct words to them, possibly easy for a society of yudkowskis, much harder for a society of normies. Could be. There was a language bit, and this was,
1: I believe, something he says out loud. Good versus evil makes slightly more sense, but I don't know where get rich, fund public goods, impress the prettiest people, and screw them is supposed to go on that. I was surprised that even the baseline Yudkowsky would say that part out loud.
0: <laughs> okay, why is
1: that? Because, you'd, again, it's, it, in, in our society, we have a convention of not uh, admitting publicly that like most things are about wanting to have sex with people.
0: Ah, okay, yeah.
1: Right? Because if, mm-hmm. if you went around saying that, you'd be a, you'd be a creep. I guess so. I don't think you should be, but... Well, but this this is kind of like, uh, we were talking higher up about the puritanical stuff. If it's okay to say this, but not okay to compliment her boobs, I feel like that's a contradiction. Or at least... Mm, they feel different to me. They they seem to, to violate our social norms in a similar direction. But I think well, they do I- land in different places. One is to a person, and one is about one's own orientation towards society.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think one of them is much more like we can acknowledge this kind of dumb thing about humans, right? Ha ha. And the other one is like putting someone on the spotlight when they might not want to be on the spotlight directly. One is more of an invitation to commiserate about the human condition together, whereas the other one is not that. It's putting somebody on the spot,
1: yeah. In my notes that I took, I was like, wait, there's not a close quote on this. Maybe he wasn't talking. And this is a running Mm. problem. I'm having a hard time figuring out who the hell's talking a lot of the time. And then I was like, no, wait, there's the close quote. It's just a really, really long run on paragraph. <laughs> I mean maybe they are in spaces that make sense. Maybe it was just on my phone. Uh no, it wasn't. I see them everywhere. Half the time people are talking, it, it's hard to describe because it's a visual thing. There are a lot mm-hmm. of you know like when you're talking and you, you add a dash and then you insert something, then you dash and you go back to the thing you're talking about. Yeah. There are dashes that do that, and then there are dashes that don't. They seem to be just willy-nilly without rhyme or reason that I can find.
0: It's weird. This is because English punctuation sucks and everybody hates it. And you get yelled at for using the wrong punctuation. A lot of times, if you want to indicate like trailing off or having a pause in a sentence or something, use ellipses, the three dots in a row. But those are déclassé. You can't use them very often or you look like you're uh, an idiot for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, you don't want to use too many periods to break up thoughts because then you have a lot of sentence fragments and those are also considered bad uh commas are you get yelled at for using comma splices where you shouldn't have comma splices semicolons nobody knows how to use those fuckers you just should avoid them entirely and so when people nowadays want to write a a sentence where someone's talking and kind of pauses kind of hems and haws and then continues on There's no great way to do that, and the m-dash is considered a general all-purpose sort of pause, thinky, comma, semicolon, ellipses sort of substitute, and so it's just been put in everywhere. m-dash? That is, on a typewriter, it'd be two dashes in a row. I don't remember why it's called an m-dash specifically, but it is a slightly longer dash than just a single minus sign. Like a boss.
1: Okay, so what's fun is that in the Unicode that this is rendering on, like here on the page, Mm -hmm. I think it is a single dash, just like the actual hyphen, but they, they can be distinct characters. Your keyboard can't actually make both. You can do a double dash, or you can do a character that is one single dash, but slightly wider than regular dash. This is using regular dashes, probably just because typing the other one is a pain. I just did a control F on page two here, and there's 36 of those where it's space dash space. It's almost always when Carissa is talking. And with your explanation, it helps. If I use it to be a pause, find word, go on, that helps a lot.
0: Because yes. it, was,
1: it was jarring to read these. Attributes go by afterlives that the gods dash use to see the world. Chaos is dash doing whatever you want law is dash duty i can now substitute that in my brain for that pause while i look for a word yeah god okay thank you because i was actually kind of kind of annoying i then i go back and read looking for where it went into the hyphened text and out of the hyphened text and it wasn't doing Mm. that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh it also wasn't concatenating two words it was confusing (laughs)
0: It's entirely because formal style guides are a bitch and writers get that hammered into them. But the M-Dash is the all-purpose escape clause that you can use for anything. I don't know how that loophole got in there, but thank God it exists. Well, now I know what it is. <sighs> okay, that, that actually
1: ups my enjoyment of this by a full 5%. So <laughs> Awesome. It's now more comprehensible. All right, so speaking uh, of chaos is Dash doing whatever you want.
0: Uh, It's doing whatever you want. Hedonism, non-coordination. Teltham says hedonism and non-coordination seem uncorrelated to me. And I thought that was a really good point. They could be very, very strongly correlated. Some of the best hedonism has great coordination in it. I can't remember the full context for that, but I agree with you. This actually does help. I'm glad we're doing this because
1: I I didn't love reading this. And I'm enjoying it more now that we're talking about it. I think what some of their confusion is about here is that to her, self-interest means what we on on earth used to mean, or in english used to mean like a narrow self-interest narcissistic self-interest and to society that doesn't think that way where your happiness actually is my happiness mm-hmm. uh if you're thriving i'm I'm thriving even more like mm-hmm. it's, in, it's in my self-interest to make sure you're doing well then the anti-social self-interest just isn't a thing
0: yeah and that seems to be what a large large amount of their disconnect is here antisocial self-interest could be a thing i suppose but it doesn't have to be which is why they're uncorrelated absolutely yeah yeah they're so not correlated to him that they don't even have a word for antisocial self-interest
1: or if they do it hasn't come up yet
0: yes i feel like defecting is probably it i think that's a good prediction that probably is it uh we do find a little bit more about gods they have more in common with each other than humans even a human has enhanced their intelligence as far as it can go and is almost as smart as a god I liked that that detail was thrown in because it really crystallizes for me that these are inscrutable aliens that definitely need overthrowing because humans should be ruled by humans. If the AGI just starts acting up at you, I'll just shoot it with a shotgun. <laughs> yes. We may need a Keltham-style shotgun to yeah. shoot our AGIs. Good luck with that. <laughs> An interesting aspect about Keltham's thought process, he asks, If humans were dying forever until the gods showed up, in which case we owe them... Or do the gods culture humans in order to get more souls, in which case they owe us? I thought that was a really interesting way to put it. I can absolutely see where he's coming from now that I'm kind of thinking in his mind frame a bit. It's very much like a legalistic decision theory sort of viewpoint, though. Like, in my opinion, the closest I can think of to how this makes sense is an acausal trade point of view, although I don't know if I understand acausal trade correctly, but like Owing in such an abstract sense isn't a thing that I think most people would care about at all. They would just want to know how we can get our souls to not be going to the bad place as opposed to, well, who owes who theoretically because in the counterfactual world, who would be worse off and who would be better off?
1: Yeah, you're articulating that and it's helping me understand his personality more Mm. to the extent that he has a personality.
0: (laughs) He does. It is just very monofocused right now it it's there somewhere probably for one of the face cast things instead of using the actor Jedkowski pulled out for Keltham the elephant i have now i now have additional questions <laughs> elephant from from the comic which i have linked the comic in the show notes and that was enough of a hit on our discord that now that is a react on our discord the elephant for the from the i now have additional questions
1: i like it and uh if anyone needs more inclination to click the imgur link that will be there you, there's a baby elephant gif at the bottom so Aww. there's also a subreddit that I'm on or that I follow called uh uh
0: baby elephant gifs baby elephants are super cute how often do you look at that thing do they have updates often like, yeah. i i'm i'm imagining i would run out of caring about baby elephants pretty quickly but maybe i'm more heartless than you are
1: i mean they stay cute i don't click everything i see because sometimes they're repeats or whatever but and I, I hardly click everything i see it's just you know whatever catches my fancy if i'm on the app so
0: it's probably a better thing to have than like boobs because you got a new baby elephant update and you're like yeah you know i'm busy right now i'm not gonna look at it but if you get like a new boobs update you're always clicking on that thing and then you go down a boob hole <laughs> it's a great hole to spend time in <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably more more uh, humor we can mine there, but let's not. Um, okay. Chris is talking to him, and I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I can grok this correctly. I think if you want to get rich and attract pretty people and fund public goods... Oh, they used ellipses there. That's evil, which is hilarious. Things have to be almost entirely purely selfless to be good. Like, if you were thinking, I don't even care about money except that it'll let me help starving orphans, then I'd wonder if you were good, but it's not enough to kick you out of evil if you also do things to mostly benefit other people. We're all evil, and we're all and we're up here fighting the world wound. It sounded like she was saying they
0: have like this innate evil thing,
1: or is she saying that she understands him correctly? I didn't quite understand that paragraph.
0: Uh, I think the place that they are in is an evil place, and so everyone around there is evil aligned, and they're fighting the world wound. Is what she's saying. Well, she's very helpful for an evil person. <laughs> yes. Well, this is one of the things where I think evil is not the same definition as we have evil. Yeah. I mean, or sort of, but not quite the same.
1: Yeah. And you know, so part of my mind goes to like uh, you know, worth the candle, you know, fell seed, evil, got it. Right. Amaryllis, uh K, okay, you know, lawful evil. Um I could see that. You know, yeah. lawful good. It you know, it varies. Yeah. But like she's not she's not gonna, you know, shirk at the idea of shooting somebody in the face to power her motorcycle if it's for the greater good and that guy might have sucked,
0: you know? Right. Uh, Is that... Oh man, that's an interesting question whether she would be lawful evil or lawful good. Maybe lawful neutral? I'm I think it's probably got a lawful neutral, but like
1: I wonder if uh it seems like your alignment can shift, which is nice cuz you know, in popular society and I think in popular religion like if you're evil, you're evil forever. Tough shit, mm, right? Yeah. Uh, it yeah. seems like here, you know, you can do an evil thing for breakfast and turn around
0: and be good at lunch, you know? That's the interesting thing about D&D, you weren't supposed to shift. Like in the real world, people can and do i think often but like in D D, if you shift alignment it comes with all sorts of negative things that happen to your character like the, the whole point of it is that you're trying to tell a story together and so everyone chooses a character to play and if you start breaking character drastically that fucks up the story so choose an alignment and your character sticks with that for the purposes of telling the story
1: yeah i can see the pros and cons to that certainly good for you know storytelling and immersion right Mm-hmm. but also it's like well you know i really want that thing and this person really sucks but i'm a paladin and so i can't you know take it you know it's like you know batman never killing you know
0: right exactly it's Like sometimes yeah. it makes
1: sense to kill people batman mm-hmm. like i want everyone to live forever but the joker's gonna go on to kill a lot more people if you don't put him out you know mm-hmm. uh Yeah, in in my head, though, when she's like, we're all evil, and we're up here fighting the the world wound, I was like, oh, this is the bad place. (laughs) (laughs) I think this might
0: be the bad place, actually. Yeah. Yep. So the Um, uh, destructive conflicts. Yeah, he doesn't have a word for war. And he kind of describes how destructive conflicts don't happen if you have good decision theory practices. And uh, very smart Entity should be able to do logical commitments and verify them so they aren't war. And I was like, oh, oh, my God. Keltham is going to bring peace to the afterlife. This is fantastic. I'm on board for seeing how this happens. Although also, I guess he's probably going to try and fail. And uh, watching how he fails will be interesting, too.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, looks like there's lots of trinkets he can get his hands on that'll help. So,
0: yes. All right. So here is the part on page three where I got the impression I realized just how outside of the norm uh, Keltham must be for Dothalon, at least psychologically. Uh, He says that very serious people go on worrying about whether evil will come back a hundred years later uh, in Dothalon if we let ourselves start to drift drift evolutionarily on the good evil axis. Uh, So it turns out that they have some kind of testing, test pranks is the word, that uh, the way it's translated, uh, on kids, and then they decide whether they're going to encourage their genes to to be in the next generation whether they're going to help these kids reproduce or, or discourage them from it and he failed i really wonder test. what that consists of
1: in a world where like you know they're pretty serious about doing things correctly and not just like politely nudging yeah yeah me too and i wonder if like we're gonna disencourage you from having kids by
0: sterilizing you well probably not that far i i assume it just be because he said it seemed the way they encourage that is by helping people with resources, so maybe it's just fucking expensive and hard to have a kid unless you have greater help from society if you fail the marshmallow test, they just don't give you public funding to have a kid. yeah, <laughs> you still have to pay taxes, but you get nothing back. It's fucked <laughs> I, it, it can't be that
1: you know terrible because otherwise uh people would I, I'm evolve. sure it's
0: not yeah, I'm sure it's not just the marshmallow test. it must be good enough that it's had good effects, and the people like it I suppose but so. I, I, I do think that, first of all, it's super cool and interesting that their society practices eugenics, and uh, that should have been obvious in retrospect. Obviously, a world of mid, mid, yeah of median Yudkowskis would have a good practice like that in play. Quick, and, someone that out of context. <laughs> and the thing – one of the major things they're optimizing for in their genes during this eugenic practice is to have good people, to have – pro-social instincts in the next generation and just niceness flourish and they're optimizing hard for those pro-social genes and keltham fucking sucks on that axis and so they aren't going to give him any resources to have kids so he is uh he's quite a few standard deviations outside the norm i would imagine on the niceness axis
1: yeah he's he's you know at the end of the line of uh you know a practice effort to breed nice people and they got him uh, mm-hmm. You know is, is he I'm wondering just how defective he is, but <laughs> maybe he's really nice, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. but it makes me think of that uh, that Russian that Russian scientist did that uh, fox breeding experiment. <laughs> yes, and the long story short, uh, he bred for niceness. that was it. like the ones that would let him feed him uh, like the ones that it let let him feed them by hand and pet them. Mm-hmm. And by like four or five generations in, their coats had changed colors, their tails went down like or went up like a border collie, mm-hmm. like it was just night and day within the context of you know what had to have been maybe twenty years, yeah, uh so yeah, breeding for niceness, and uh you get all the kinds of- kind of, kind of cool carry alongs with that too. It turns out with foxes, so yeah, I wonder what you get with people if you breed for niceness
0: I have some guesses, but I don't know. We can throw out your first guess and then we'll just push past it uh neoteny being or i don't know if that's the correct word but being more like an adolescent uh for the entirety of your life because that that was the main thing they found with the foxes right they retained adolescent characteristics into later life far longer and to a much greater degree and uh i i guess like kids are more nice and adults are more mean and so you carry over more nice kid traits into your adult life and i think that would probably be the case here people would look younger older uh they would be more playful um that kind of stuff
1: that's really interesting and i wish i hadn't pre-committed to jumping past it because i want to dig into it but we'll rush through so <laughs> um,
0: well, what what is your first quick takeaway take on that
1: i don't remember if that was the thing with the foxes about the the youngness thing and it could be mm-hmm. like if it was young things are cuter and they want to get you know so you like be more inclined to go feed them um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like the playfulness and stuff you know that is the thing that like adults stop doing for some stupid reason and Mm -hmm. so like nah man just stay goofy and have fun your entire life i totally agree
0: yeah
1: um speaking of goofy i wish uh so the quote yeah so okay either y'all are acting optimally with respect to alien problems i don't understand or y'all got very different utility functions or y'all ain't got no idea what the ass you'd be doing (laughs) fantastic i wish you'd just talk like that all the time Yes, very relatable. He was on the Lex Riemann podcast for like three hours last week. And if you had talked about this the entire time, it would have been the most popular episode I imagine ever.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it, He's got to start playing a character when he goes into these episodes. It would have been so funny. Mm-hmm. You got no idea what the ass you be doing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that's going to be my favorite quote for the for the reading. Cool. Uh, it's just quotable, you know,
0: it really is uh he does say that his ambition uh before he ended up here was to make a billion labor hours of of dollars i guess which is quite a lot of money then marry about two dozen women and have 144 kids because again he realizes society ain't going to be giving him no no help and he wants his genes to propagate i I just i thought that was really fucking cool and i think this dude fucks but i haven't seen the series so did i do it right
1: uh i mean It's basically just like so. the the series is Silicon Valley, which everyone should watch. It's great. If you're listening to this, you're exactly the kind of nerd who will enjoy it. Um, Now, it's it's actually just like legitimately like this guy has lots of sex. Um, Oh, oh, okay. The reason it's funny is because like some, you know, playboy billionaire uh, comes in and points at like the most like, you know, demurred kind of beta in the group Mm. and just immediately walks in. He's like, this guy fucks. Am I right? (laughs) <laughs> and it turns okay, out so he was. literally
0: just ah neat <laughs> yeah
1: but we had no reason to suspect he was right um huh. and i uh i i was feeling uncharitable when i wrote my reply to your comment and mm. you said this dude fucks and i was like no this dude is an antisocial monster who wants to fuck he's a pre-incel if you will a pre- Ooh, what is a pre-incel <laughs> somebody who's going to be an incel when they grow up
0: <laughs> okay i see
1: yeah no it was it was a very mean thing i had said um mm. But
0: the thing is, on Earth, he absolutely would be. I think you know? he's displayed enough self-effacing charm that he could charm a lady. Uh, he could browbeat
1: her with de- the decision-theoretic, you know, benefit of like, you know, I think he just, you know, proposition her with more and more money, right? That also works. <laughs> 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 like that, like that joke. Hey, will you suck my dick for ten dollars? What? No, fuck you. Will you do it for ten million? Well, uh, okay, all right. So let's find the price. You know, let's find your
0: breaking <laughs> yeah. point. So you are for sale. Uh, well, I I don't know. What would your breaking point be? Depends on the dick. What would your breaking point be for like all kind of a out of shape old dude, someone Ugh. in their fifties? Yeah, I'd have to think about it. Trump, Trump dick. uh What did Stormy Daniels make? oh I have no idea. She ma- she
1: made a pretty penny, like one hundred and thirty thousand dollars or something. Uh, I don't know, man. I think I might want more
0: than that. You could buy a lot with one hundred thirty thousand dollars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's like
0: I, less still, than a half hour of labor, probably. They better be. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's one of those guys that has issues. Or maybe you just really suck at giving head. You don't know.
1: She said it would be like, I think she said something like three minutes. Um, hmm. But no, there was a great Bert Kreischer joke, as long as we're digressing. Uh, stand-up comedian. And he was like, uh, if I, uh, let's see, what was it? Like, give you $10,000 if uh, I can make you come in 10 minutes. Or rather, I get $10,000 if I can make you come in 10 minutes. Who do you think I'm calling up here? Any guy in the audience, right? Because I, mm-hmm. I know exactly how that works. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's, he's making the joke that, you know, uh, to a guy, especially to a shirtless comedian, uh, you know, uh, getting a woman off is harder than getting a man off. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My point is that, like, I'm sh- we well, Okay. We're, we're, we're gonna, let's, let's keep going.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you have here?
1: Uh, you grabbed the I'm adaptable. I can reorient my life.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I jumped over that. Didn't I? We talked about it a little bit before. Uh, Um, No, what about, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I did did skip over this. I'm sorry. Uh, Yes, taking a quick note here. Um, Yeah, so this I found really endearing. He is contemplating the vastly changed nature of his existence now, and he says, I'm adaptable. I can reorient my entire life. Might take me a couple minutes, but I can do it. I just Felt it might be helpful to say out loud once before it all drifts away. And this is him grappling with the fact that everything he knew is gone. Everyone that he knew is gone. All his life plans for making a billion dollars and having a hundred babies are, I don't know, maybe not completely out of reach now. But they certainly, his genes won't be represented in civilization anymore, right? But everything's different. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Might take me a couple of minutes saying it out loud, it's going to help a little bit. Okay, I can do it. And then he goes on to tackle the problem. But I think, despite the fact that he said, okay, took me a couple minutes, haha, I'm good now. It's probably going to be one of those things that like late at night, if he can't sleep is gonna come up and haunt him. And he's gonna be like, Oh, I got to stop thinking about this. But every now and then, he's going to miss Dathalon and the future that is now forever cut off to him. I'm glad you're attributing so much depth and emotion to him. I
1: mean, I I, re- I read him like a young Tom Riddle. I mean, right before that, he's just saying, you know, my ambition before I got here was, you know, to make a bunch of money, marry about two dozen women and have about 144 kids. But See, real talk, if we had that much money, wouldn't we do that? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I have enough money to have a kid now. I don't have any. Okay, fair enough. But I mean, it's just like, it it seems like his ambitions aren't like, and I'm going to make the world a better place. I'm going to help people. It's like, nope, I want to fuck a lot of people and have a lot of kids. It sounded like he was talking like a joke about, you know, evolutionary psychology.
0: Well, if he thinks that he is valuable and an asset to his society, then he would want more people like him in the next generation.
1: Yeah, but it's like that if men were motivated by that sort of actual thinking, we'd spend, we'd be fighting for spots to stand in line at the sperm bank, you know? Yeah, yeah. That seems like what he'd actually be doing, and not what we'd be doing. So it made it impossible for me to relate to him. If it comes out like this is all him, like just deflecting and you know trying to cope with the situation, awesome. But I, mm-hmm. I'm not getting that vibe. But maybe there's still okay. stuff to dig into that I like, you know, because what he says the rest there is nice, you know. If I wouldn't hear it, won't because I'm special, it's because I came with a ton of knowledge that they didn't have, which you know, newsflash, that makes you special here. um mm-hmm. But uh you know, he's like, ah, you know, fuck it, I'll roll with the punches. Um, so, you know, I can dig it.
0: Yeah. Um, he did say that, uh, if nice sounds like a thing that can be stupid, then there's a translation difficulty because nice is part of the utility function. I don't even know what I was thinking about that. shall I just cut that out? She says, just being nice is very stupid. Uh, if your
1: planet's selecting for that, they're going to have horrible problems the first time they encounter anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's fun about that is they, so I think it's kind of like with, um, what was the word before selfishness Mm -hmm. they've got different they're they're using that word differently yeah you know they're using nice to mean like donating money or you know helping someone you know with a chore or whatever Mm -hmm. but like just doing that like the selflessness so if they you know hey can i have 20 bucks yeah man of course can i have 20 more yeah of course (laughs) yeah and so you know i think that's how she's she's uh viewing it yeah. But of course, if if we did read that line right and she's evil aligned, then, you know, niceness would sound stupid to them. Ah. But like, you know, to him to to Keltham, you know, there's a there's a limit and there's there's a well, there's actually a hardly defined line of somewhere, you know, in the math. Um mm-hmm. but, you know, it they I think they're using the word nice differently, which is kind of fun.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh okay, this next note is about how That church isn't going to let him leave, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Well,
1: is it? So she thinks that to herself, but like they can't understand him, you know, maybe
0: they can also cast translation and, uh, or tongues or whatever and listen to him. But, oh, I think she gets the impression that he is going to come to the attention of the gods one way or another. And if they find out that he was in her grasp and she let him leave, she's going to get super punished.
1: Oh, I didn't read it that way. I thought that she's like, okay, once the once the clergy finds out how fucking nuts this dude is, they're not going to let him go. You know, go out and do stuff. Uh, well,
0: that's probably true too. And she's about to tell the clergy.
1: I wonder if she's going to go tell the clergy, "Hey, I got this sociopath out there that you guys need to rein in and chain to a you know a basement somewhere." Or you know, hey, this guy just landed from some other planet. He's wants to become a cleric.
0: Uh, <laughs> you know, I, he's he's already promised to trade try to establish trade between their two worlds and to bring them the secrets of cheap steel so i think she has the correct impression that he's going to be a big turning point in in her country's history
1: oh so like oh they're never going to let him leave because he's super valuable not because he's a dangerous monster yes gotcha because he brings the power of making nuclear weapons in his head i mean if someone just came in babbling about all the magic tech they had and they walked up to me i would be you know yeah of course let me go tell the clergy you sound awesome i'd call the police right I mean, um, the
0: clergy are the police, though.
1: Right. That, so I mean, that's. But I would be calling them in their capacity as police officers, not in the
0: not in their capacity as uh, whatever holy men. Okay, might be slightly different in magic world where people do pop into existence from other realms, though. Yes, yeah, they didn't seem like
1: totally aghast at that. They just seemed mi- mildly startled, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: yeah, this thing doesn't seem to happen all the time, but there's magic and shit, you know. So it's not mm-hmm. the weirdest thing they've seen this month. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh you know one part i really liked that was fun what's that he's trying to figure out like before he's like how valuable is my knowledge of science to you guys he's trying to figure out what the basics of their science is Mm -hmm. and so he's like all right water you guys know it's uh one part hydrogen or two parts hydrogen one part oxygen right and she's like i don't know what a proton is and he's like okay hold on uh do you guys have snowflakes is are they six-sided structures under a microscope and mm-hmm. then he explains why they're six-sided my, uh, on Earth. And she's like, oh, yeah, they have six sides here. And he's like, oh, good. Okay, water's the same. And, and ice mm-hmm. floats. Okay, I, I can work with this. Um, yes. And I thought that was that was very Harry James Potter, Evans, Varus. I loved that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was just like the I, – I can't think of a cooler, quicker way to get to the bottom of like, does this place run on my kind of science? Does it have atomic physics? Right.
0: Yeah, so, that was you know, really
1: cool. At, at, least, at least the basics of some stuff I know will come in handy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and now we know if we get a cakia to a crazy magic world, how to test if they have atomic physics. I love it. I I will keep that in mind. Hopefully, it doesn't come in handy. (laughs)
1: Exactly. She mentions like a diadem that can make you smarter or whatever, and then there's like, oh yeah, there's this rock that if you touch it, it turns you into basically a god. And he's like, well, where is it? I'm going. Um, Mm -hmm. She gave some number. It was you know odds odds of success were very little, Mm -hmm. but she didn't mention which to us is what is obvious because we've read fantasy books. Uh, but he didn't pick up on it. it was like no if you if it doesn't work you die like, yeah it's not like you just get to go touch it and nothing happens if you, if it doesn't work right <laughs> yeah uh, otherwise everyone would go walk past the thing once a week but she says they're usually high enough level adventures that they just arrange a resurrection in advance if they want it and i'm like oh finally you know other than all this alignment stuff now we're talking D.
0: yeah 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 that's awesome direct game mechanics into the world translation
1: yes exactly you know i don't know if they have character sheets or how that stuff works but something like that is happening she mm-hmm. goes on to talk about how her magic works she memorizes her spells every morning she gets to cast mm-hmm. them x number times a day you're a level three mage i think chris is gonna be a main character so she's not just an exposition an exposition fairy npc but you need those in a dnd world and uh she's currently serving
0: that role absolutely we are learning a lot about the setup here yeah i found it interesting we learned also about praying uh To pray, you clear your environment of distractions and kneel on the floor and try to acknowledge that you're in the presence or could be of something much bigger than yourself, something that can see much farther. And you think about their priorities and your desire to serve them, and sometimes ask for things, but like the strength to do your will sorts of things, not for things specifically to go your way, since the God knows better about what's best. And having it described like that, like it actually sounds kind of nice. And I guess I just was never taught to pray properly. And when I took this note, I thought about it for a little bit. I think I kind of get the feeling no one is really taught how to pray properly because most religions, most religious teachers aren't rationalists. They just kind of say, you know, hey, mimic me, do this thing. And like eventually people get the vibes right with enough years of bumbling around on their knees to to get to the zone. But if someone had directly told me this is what you're going for and this is what to do, I think it would have been... Maybe it would have been a little bit easier. I still would have had a whole issue with the God actually not existing and nothing happens part, but it would have been slightly more valuable than trying to have a conversation with an imaginary friend.
1: Yeah, and that's usually how it's portrayed and quickly described. And I liked her definition, her explanation a lot more. You know, this is also, you can kind of do this without a God, you know? Mm -hmm. People could do this like with a vision board or whatever if you're that kind of, uh, um, I was going to say loony person, but I can just say person. Um, (laughs) But you can do this with, you know, a a kind of more stoic exercise, right? Mm -hmm. What's funny is uh, you mentioned like the trouble believing, you know, talking to nobody kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I remembered. So there, uh, AJ Jacobs was an author who uh, did. I think he wrote the book, uh, The Year of Living Biblically. Mm, Okay. And he tries to follow everything in the Bible for a year. He did like a, at least a few months of. Like perfect radical honesty, where you say everything that's on your mind, uh, which caused him some, you know, real life strife. Cause, yeah. you know, wife's friend, you bump into her at dinner or whatever, and they, we should hang out. It's like, no, I don't think that'd be fun. Hmm. And it's like, that hurts or your wife's worse. reputation with that friend.
0: Or even worse, we should hang out. Yeah, but can I screw you?
1: Right, exactly. So that didn't, I don't think that lasted long. But he did other, he did other crazy cool stuff. Uh, he read the entire Encyclopedia Britannica. The, a quick side note on this is, uh, I remember this guy, cause I listened to an interview with him sometime in the last several months but I couldn't remember his name. So I asked ChatTTP yesterday, who was that author mm. who spent a year living according to the Bible? He also spent a year doing other interesting stuff. Mm. And it knew. That was a poorly phrased question, and it gave me the correct answer. It's
0: wild. Do you think you could have Googled that? Would it have taken two more time and effort?
1: We can just test that. Okay. Mm-hmm. The first result, the year of living biblically, one man's humble quest. So yes, Google worked exactly as well. However, ChatTTP also gave me other books and kind of like, summarized it nicely in a paragraph but i thought that google would kind of fail at that kind of really vague question but no google nailed it all right so clericism.
0: he gets to realizing that clerics are kind of the power movers around here they're the cops they're the politicians and he says i'm starting to weather- wonder whether becoming a cleric is an obvious sort of thing to try if you don't want to get noisily moved around by clerics mm-hmm. and i hate that that would never occur to me but also it seems obviously correct And I hope there's lots of downsides to being a cleric. So I have a good excuse not to be one. Kind of like there's lots of downsides to working for the government.
1: Yeah, I suspect there has to be, even in this world, right? Like, at the very least, it seems like you actually have to be devoted to the God. The God who grants you your clergy powers would know. It's not not like, hey, you know what? I don't want to be bullied by the cops. Can I be a cop now? And it's like, no, that's not how this works. Yeah,
0: I'm so annoyed that that first line of defense, first answer never even occurred to me and probably never would have. I don't think I would have thought of that either. So, we also find out that a powerful god, eight planets, came to Galarian, which is the name of this planet, and uh, it took an alliance of all the non chaos gods to stop him from eating it. And he couldn't be imprisoned. He couldn't be destroyed, so they imprisoned him. That was super fucking neat. And I love that detail. And then also, any of the current gods can let him loose. So, all of the gods have to continue thinking that Galarian ought to continue existing, uh, or they could just destroy it, which forces them all to cooperate to at least satisfy each other's values which again super neat i i this is a great detail about the world and i'm super into this uh a threat so big that even gods who disagree can form a compact to keep it contained mm-hmm. it's pretty baller yeah and also that they all have to not want the world to blow up they they, they got to make it so that nobody wants to say you know what fuck this i'd rather that there just not be a soup and knock the bowl over <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's, you know, uh, turns out you can unite people who would otherwise not cooperate against a uh, a common threat and a shared value of like, look, we'll at least want this, right? Yeah. If you knock over the bowl, no one gets to eat. Yeah. I liked the, uh, the Maelstrom afterlife. Or wait, they're, yeah, so they're not in an afterlife, they're in wherever. Um, mm. The chaotic neutral afterlife, they turn into chaos beasts, which can't interact with causality. <laughs> what the fuck? That was my thought. <laughs> Yeah. So first of all, that sounds awesome and appropriate for chaotic afterlife, but it makes you wonder how mm-hmm. they could possibly know that. That too, you know, if they can't address causality, then how did how did anyone ever figure that out? I think he has I, a similar thought later. Okay, gods
0: tell them, maybe I, I don't know.
1: I mean, that sounds causal to me, mm-hmm. but, but all gods not af- be able to operate between causality and a causality.
0: So, and also, I think this gave us confirmation that actually, yeah, all the afterlives do suck because you don't really get an afterlife; you get twisted into some other being that may be vaguely related to past you but you you are now a i don't know an embodiment of the plane that you go to and that is not what humans are you get turned into a utility maximizer of that alignment so uh i i don't blame people for not wanting to go to any afterlife because it doesn't sound like an afterlife at all it yeah. sounds like you get to die and uh your body gets used for things
1: yeah it's uh it seems like a drag. And then there's just like, oh, yeah, we, we all got a few decades. Kind of makes me wonder why they even give them the decades on Earth or whatever. They, they need them to breed, make
0: more souls. Hey, it need to be 80 to do that. Yeah. And you could just lie to them that... and say you get, to the go- you get to go to the good place if you have the most kids. I mean, it sounds like half of people die before they make it out of childhood anyway. Oh, yeah. They got that whole problem. Yeah. So maybe like 80 is just the cutoff where they're like, all right, some people getting to 80 is useful. But after that, just give me your soul yeah that makes sense uh so we learn that (laughs) in keltham society lying for naked short-term advantage when you're sure to be found out later is so unbelievably not done that it takes him a while to even think uh, to even hypothesize that carissa might be doing this and then being like really disbelieving and kind of aghast That this could be something someone's doing like how is this possible how fucked up is their society that someone would would give you filtered information (laughs) and i I thought that was awesome and i really want to kind of live in dothalon right now based on that it'd be fun to visit it's not
1: even that like everyone loves honesty so much that they can dream you know they couldn't imagine lying to each other it's just like who'd be dumb enough to do that yeah which amounts to the same kind of behavior world with no tolerance for bullshit would be great or just, like, no comprehension of it, because, like, no one's that stupid. Yeah. This is from um, Carissa talking. She says, "Nethus, the god of magic and knowledge. Nethus is said to be omniscient, but he's also insane. His plans don't make any sense on the material world, and his clerics get steadily less capable of talking about things to humans over time, and usually blow themselves up doing ridiculous magic experiments.
0: <laughs> My kind of
1: church, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. We're slowly driven insane and motivated to just try in you know... Wilder and wilder science until one of us explodes. Fantastic.
0: What a way to go. Uh, You know, if you have to pick. Yes. I mean, Death by Snoo Snoo would be my pick, but this would be a close second. I don't think they had a church for that, but if they do, yeah, sign me up. Absolutely, yeah. All right, the last thing that I have is that supposedly there's no other lawful evil gods worth mentioning, plus all the neutral evil gods you identify to me are horrible. This is where he calls out to Carissa specifically that he thinks... She's lying to him, or withholding information at least. And when I like he, was, he, he he phrases it in such a way, it's like, look, I
1: can't rule out the fact that you may have been like, you know, obfuscating here. And, yeah. But he does it in the way that, like, even to him, sounds like he's not used to even having to verbalize such a thought, because it's not a thought that
0: often occurs. Right. It's like, look, I, I don't want to accuse you of eating babies, but it kind of sounds like you've been nomming on baby flesh here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he I, when he said this directly to her, I was I thought, Jesus, he is a lot more uh, trusting than Harry would be because Harry might have thought this, but would have never said it out loud to her. That just you by giving away that sort of information that you suspect she's lying, you're giving up a lot and uh, I, I don't think it's a good move. But then later, he says that maybe it will help that he tossed her one of his lesser suspicions as a distractor from his larger suspicions because he wasn't completely confident in his ability to conceal uh, that he has suspicions. It's kind of p- th- p- him as a bit of a hypocrite. Why is that? Well, because he's like, she might be filtering and he's like, I hope she didn't notice my deflections and notice my real goals. Well, once you start suspecting that someone's doing it to you. Then you're you're stuck in the defecting trap, right?
1: That's a good point. I'm not sure when he started doing that because I'm not sure what his actual goals were. I didn't pick up on that. It might have been there, but I I had a hard time getting through the last couple of pages. Okay. Uh. So did you pick up on what he was talking about? Like he's like, oh, because he mentions that a couple of times. I'm not entirely sure. No. Maybe it is just like become god and overthrow and you know optimize the world. Yeah. And he, I don't think he said that part out loud, but I can't be sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, his his uh, I think his worry, his verbalization to her that he, he's worried that she might be lying is actually like about as polite as possibly could be. He says, yes. look, I'm sorry if this is impugning your honesty, but I hope you realize that I'm in a strange place with a visibly low level of law where people fight over fight destructive conflicts. You know, I basically I'm going to be taking some. Uh, precautions based on the fact that I'm genuinely, you know, sorry if it, it's uh, unnecessary and leads to sub- suboptimal outcomes, but it's just my own ignorance, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't know if you guys make honest business arrangements here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like he, the- could, he couldn't have been nicer about it.
0: Yeah. Well, and the fact that he, he gave that to her, and I thought he was dumb for doing so, and then it turns out that, no, he is worried she might think that he isn't being honest with her, so he is honest about one of the lesser things to throw her off the track, I wouldn't have thought to do that. I'm a dummy compared to him. And I guess that's not surprising at all, but again, kind of humbling when you just see it laid out like that in a couple paragraphs. Where I'm like, that's so dumb, why would he do that? And then it turns out like, oh no, I'm the dumb one. He was thinking two moves ahead of me. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's sacrificing a pawn. Yeah, Which, exactly. you
1: know, if we if we played more chess, just to torture the analogy, that wouldn't seem so... Uh surprising
0: yeah whereas i'm over here like ho 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 i got a pawn why would he have given that up exactly (laughs) yeah but you know we're not used to these sorts of uh interactions yeah so my final thing actually i guess my my final takeaway is that i want to thank uh the spoilers channel people and um ask who who is representing them for giving us this stopping point i think it's perfect it's the end to a scene it's right about the right length and when i got to it i was really upset that i couldn't keep reading more because i want to find out what happens when the priest comes and he prays to become a cleric so ah i i was frustrated to not be able to keep reading you guys are awesome and did the perfect choice yeah it was it was actually the end it was was the end of the scene this went on for a while they're talking
1: for i think it was a full hour um mm-hmm. and uh just to read ahead one sentence i just saw uh, uh, the next one picks up. Kelthamal sits quite still trying to control the hammering of his heart and the visible sweating that might also give info away. He's mm-hmm. almost emoting. <laughs> so my- <laughs> He's trying hard not to. He's trying hard not to, but but the fact that he's trying not to have an emotion or to express an emotion means that he's having one. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I get to, um, chop that off of my, my Rex list that I put together.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, so- <laughs> What is on this Grumpasaurus list?
1: I'll run through it. I think we touched on them and some of them are ameliorated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them aren't yet, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, and I hate, I hated it. Every time Brian said this, I hate it. I I found it frustrating. You know, is, does the author really want us to think? Um, So I'm not quite saying that, but it like the story seems to be implying that the baseline Nudkowski, if not the actual one is basically a sociopath. Um, But I think I'm getting a better grasp on where he's coming from. Okay. It just his his focus on just like, you know, profit to the exclusion of everything else was entirely unrelatable for me. But now that I think I'm getting a better framing of like, that's just how, you know, no, I use profit to maximize my goals, which include making people happy and myself happy. Mm -hmm. Like it is actually everybody's goal, Mm -hmm. right? Or rather it's everyone's uh, instrumental
0: goal. Yeah.
1: And so I understand that better now, but I didn't when I was
0: reading this. I also think that when you first get into a work of fiction, having a very large, exaggerated character trait makes someone more delightful to read and also helps you get a handle on on them quicker, faster. Like, Harry was very much the precocious, super rationalist kind of kid, which turned a lot of people off, but it made it, I don't know, it made it fun to see that kind of thing happening, that when you have one trait and you just blow it out of proportion... And you play it up for a while before you get into more nuance, I I think is enjoyable.
1: Anyway. No, I agree. And I think I mentioned this with Worth the Candle at the beginning, but I, I hate starting new stories.
0: Mm, I'm getting yeah. better at it
1: now. Uh, even okay. like new TV shows, because I hate memorizing new names and plots and like whatever. But then I always enjoy it once I have. Yeah. Um. It's just like, it's, it's, it's a, I don't know. It's a weird thing I need to get over. It, it's mm. for some reason, I think it takes an above average amount of cognitive labor for me and
0: i think it's always hard honestly but it gets easier over time
1: yeah but in my advanced age it's it's hopefully it'll get continue to get easier but it, i feel like it would have gotten easier by now if it was gonna get easy but um mm, yeah but you know um by the thing and you know i think it's partly just for like the expediency of getting through this this uh you know setup for the story but mm-hmm. people don't talk like this and these people don't feel like characters they feel like exposition varies from like badly written movies
0: Oh, yeah, they are dumping a lot of exposition on us up front.
1: And, like, they're just saying everything. They're not They're not surprised. They're just answering all the questions. And, you know, like, and I get it in a world of, you know, optimal, uh, you know, or at least attempting optimal agents. Like, they're not going to burn a lot of time being like, I'm so shocked. This is so confusing. It's like, yep, acknowledge that. Let's keep going. Yeah. Yes, this is weird. Anyway. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I wonder how to. I, I don't wouldn't really. We,
0: wouldn't we be very annoyed by the fact that, like, okay, he only has one hour with the translation spell? Why is he spending so many words being like, oh man, this is so weird. I can't believe that. Okay, I guess I gotta. Like, we would be like, that's not rational, man. That is not decision theory optimizing.
1: I guess that's not necessarily what I'm looking for in a character. I'm looking for some humanity that I can relate to. <laughs> yeah. And not just, like, you know, uh and I say this, you know, ha- I, I like the guy, but I, you know, I, not just Robin Hanson, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> however, right. uh, there's a person underneath Robin Hanson and he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's enjoyable and, and, po- you know, polite and all that stuff. But it's yeah, like, he's also y- Robin Hanson. You're, you're allowed to say this is weird. Right. And I think he does mm. say that once and that's all the times right. it takes. And then, you know, no sense in repeating yourself, mm-hmm. you're right. There's an economy of language that they need to get through as much as they can in an hour. Um, when I'm reading people, I don't usually, like, unless it says, and then I usually forget to, like, give them a kind of, like, a voice in my head. Mm. Uh, that said, I'm wondering if Carissa, I'm supposed to be reading her with, like, a Valley Girl accent. Mm. She ends random sentences with a question, with, with she ends lots
0: of random sentences with question marks. Yeah. You know, it, t- it sounds to me more, like, Tumblr-ish than Valley Girl-ish, because that seems to be a thing that happened a lot back on tumblr right people would always they would like seeking acknowledgement to what they just said as they say it question mark say like i'm not completely certain about this but this is my take question mark that's
1: kind of what i'm doing with it is just like she i don't know if she's doing the inflection of asking a question or if it's like just
0: her punctuation expressing confusion Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: or like she gave an answer but she's not sure if it's
0: right yeah i guess the valley girl thing is the same phenomenon i just for some reason, didn't associate the accent with it because I'd seen it in writing more than in person.
1: Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, mm-hmm. Then I pulled out some, you know, paragraph-long sentence with uh, three or four of those M dashes that I didn't know what they meant mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. just
0: shook my fist at it. Like, that's one sentence. Uh, <laughs> and it, it is one sentence, that's true. That's a very long sentence. And it was very confusing. Mm-hmm. But,
1: you know, there, there's a language barrier and they're... they're they're doing their thing, um, and then the emotion thing I, I already talked about. So I I get to delete this entire list of of uh, old man yells at clouds because this conversation really invigorated me to uh, give it an honest go with the next reading. I, I'll be honest, like the the last two pages took me like two days. Oh wow! Okay. I, I I just like I said, it, it felt like a slog, um, yeah. and I'm just. You know, my eyes glaze over and I'm like, oh, come on, man, this, this is. And then also, I don't know how many nonsense words they threw in for all the gods. I'm glad you took a note of this, you know, a lot of this stuff. Um, right. And maybe there, there'll be a wiki or something somewhere, but it was just like, you know, 50 names. And I'm, th- that's also the thing I hate about starting stories. Like, I don't want to memorize a bunch of new names. That's why <laughs> the candle was so good. We got one character, like every five chapters. And, you know, it it didn't bombard us with like, oh, memorize all this shit.
0: Uh, (laughs) So in my book club, we recently started uh, for our next reading. It's a um, it's a science fiction soap opera, Uh, not soap opera, sorry, a science fiction space opera. And space operas are, they're like the high fantasy of science fiction, right? They're long and sprawling, and they have all these noble families and shit. I open up the book, and it says, book one of four. It's like 600 pages. The first page is a list of the members of this family and how they're related. Ugh. Like, just literally a cast of characters like you see in a play. And I closed the book, and I said, I'm skipping this one. <laughs> I, I don't wanna.
1: I think, I think I've... I've said this before but maybe not on this show that any movie that starts with expository text is worse mm. for having it with the exception mm. of star wars um, okay because that's that's like iconic to it yeah and uh but like other movies that i've seen that do that it's like you could have just not done that mm-hmm. and things and a would have been, been better and b you said all that stuff yeah the movies um us jordan peele's movie mm-hmm. and uh eternals the marvel movie mm. they both i think are good examples of like pointless expository text that make the make the, make the movie worse. And, uh, if a book needs to have expository text at the beginning, it's like, no, you can fuck right off with that. Yeah. Like you're a book, you're the medium that gets to, gets to do expository text and you're going to do it at the beginning. Like you don't have the space to do it in the story. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. So yeah, no, I feel you. Okay.
0: So yeah, it is. It, 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 since we're reading a fantasy based on D and D, which is kind of the, high fantasy game it uh i figured this kind of thing would happen and i just took a few notes and try to try to let it wash over me
1: no and and that's good and i think uh, it's like i'm not allergic to having lots of stuff like well i am allergic to it but it doesn't mean that like it's bad for me right Um, yeah it sometimes you have to eat your vegetables and just suck it up Um, right so no i mean it, it it's all in there on purpose and it's valuable i'm hoping that like next time they mention one of these characters that they'll mention oh yeah the god of chaos or whatever
0: Um, Mm -hmm. or I could do a control F and find it. So, uh, this is also one of the reasons that fan fiction is so great because you're in a world where you already know all these things and you don't have to reestablish everything. People are just borrowing the setting and characters. That's, that's what, yeah, methods rationality
1: got to do and like, oh yeah. And every other fan fiction, but like, that's the thing is, you know, Mm -hmm. we can save you all this time. Those seven books you read were the expository text. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's go in here and have fun. But Mm -hmm uh you know speaking of fun how much do we get to have next time
0: next time we are going to be reading i think about the same amount of words the target phrase to stop at the end of section two is there's plumbing he adds proudly and demonstrates a sink oh proud all right another another feeling (laughs) (laughs) so when you get to that second feeling of the text the pride of there being plumbing that is where we stop man they don't have plumbing uh, no, they do have plumbing. He demonstrated a sink. Well, he invents plumbing for them, it sounds like. Oh, you don't know if this he is
1: Kelphem or someone he's talking to. Oh, of course. Good point. Yeah. So yeah, it could be like, of course we have toilets. Get out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like they have toilets. They, they seem far enough along. Or they have spells that just manage all that stuff for you. The, probably, yes. You have to pay the One town the mage other. just to like cast the remove shit spell from your town every day. <laughs>
0: right. So you just like shit in the corner of your house and it's just gone by noon. Yeah, people in the slums can't afford it, so they just have piles of shit stacking up in their corners. That, you know,
1: that sounds familiar.
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Well, uh, thank you again for
1: uh, your enthousi- enthusiasm and, and, like, I think, appropriate um, interpretation of a lot of this stuff, because I was not sold, and uh, it doesn't seem like my concerns were exactly warranted. So let's do this again sometime.
0: Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you again in a week. Thanks, bud.